Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bulls. Your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, you can email us with any basketball questions or advertising inquiries at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. And, Cody, uh... We've got a little over a week to go before the Bulls season opener. We don't know exactly when Fred Hoiberg is going to tell us who's going to be the starting power forward, but it seems like his mind's made up. Yeah, Fred saying today after practice that he has a good idea of who will start at power forward. Of course, Taj Gibson, Nico Miritich, and to a very, very lesser extent, Bobby Portis were in the mix uh, heading into this training camp for that spot, and it has been all Taj Gibson the whole time, who, as we've pointed out before, has played, in the five games he's played, three or four have been awesome. One or two, he's played very well. And Fred saying he has an idea without saying who the starting power forward is pretty much hints at Taj because as of right now, Nico Miritich has a lower back strain uh, that he suffered on a screen roll uh, defending alongside Rajon Rondo, kind of got pushed in Monday night's preseason loss to the Hornets. So I don't think you would say, hey, I know who my starting power forward is, and it's the guy who's hurt who's been bad. You wouldn't say that if that was the case. It's got Taj Gibson written all over it. I would be very, I mean, obviously and nothing is final and you can't rule anything out until it happens, but I would be very surprised if it was not Taj Gibson starting at power forward on opening night, which, I mean, just based on merit, he's been the best, by far the better player than Nico so far in preseason. It's. I mean, I, I'm real interested to see how the fit works out because the bull, the Bulls' uh, starting unit has not looked good, and that's something that Fred talked about today. Is that they kind of have to have dug themselves into a hole, and obviously with Taj Gibson, who's not much of an outside shooter, alongside Rondo, Wade Butler, and Lopez, who also really aren't outside shooters at all. Uh, it's they that lineup basically has no spacing. But on the other hand, like Taj being in that lineup makes them pretty good defensively, but then their bench unit has almost no defense. Yeah, there's a lot of subplots here. The main the main issue that Hoiberg has to look at, Taj Gibson shot just shy of 68% in the preseason. Nico Miritich is around 34%, 24% from three-point range. Which is supposed to be his strength. Yeah, and Fred bristles at the notion, too. Anytime you kind of bring up uh, the statistics, the numbers, the sabermetrics behind the old uh, shooting numbers... Uh, about Nico, he doesn't like to hear those and doesn't like to listen to you tell him that he's Fred will insist to anybody who listens that Nico is lights out every single day in practice and he just happens to be bad in all of the games. Practice MVP. I'm starting to sound like the Chicago Bears in the Mark Tressman era. 
here in Chicago. But there's some dude that follows me on Twitter that tweets at me sometimes, and his display name is Hoiberg equals Tressman. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I've seen that guy. Yeah, on, it's probably on like a Chicago sports Twitter mainstay. It's just I just that just popped into my head because that's a name I've seen before. Yeah. Not, I don't know much about the Bears, but I, I don't, you can you can fill me in on the Tressman. Yeah. Era. Well, that was just a running joke because the Bears would get you know just run off the field in 2014 in the final year of the Mark Tressman era. And uh, he would say practice was just awesome every single day. And Fred doesn't go quite that far, although he has mentioned on several occasions in this training camp and preseason that the Bulls have had some of their best practices of his short year, now going into the second year of his tenure. And Dwayne Wade confirmed they're really good competitive practices, spirited affairs, uh, even more so than what he experienced in Miami at times with the Heat when he won three championships down there. But at the same time, it's like you got to see it on the court. And when you're referencing Nico, you have to see it on the court. And this injury is just another small, tiny setback for him, but it's doing him no favors in the competition to win the starting power forward job. So that looks like it'll be Taj. The Bulls do have their preseason finale on Thursday against the Hawks in Omaha, kind of a reunion game for Doug McDermott. The Creighton Bowl. As well as Kyle Korver, another Creighton product. And it will be interesting to see how Fred operates in that final game, but I imagine it would be kind of a dress rehearsal look. You would think so, and especially if everybody's available to play. Fred did say today that he hasn't made a determination whether Muradich is going to play on Thursday, and he also didn't say for sure whether or not Denzel Valentine, who hasn't played since the first preseason game, he's been out with an ankle injury. They, he said there's still a possibility that he plays, but they want to kind of get him out there. We do know that... Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, wearing number seven, is going to be making his debut for the uh, Bulls. He didn't practice today because he was still kind of finalizing his physical. There's just a lot of, you know, legal hoops that you have to jump through before making the, you know, he can actually participate in team activity. But he was there. He was shooting around. He just didn't go through practice. Yeah, and today being Tuesday, so Michael Carter-Williams is expected to practice Wednesday, if that's the day you're listening to this. That's what Fred said, Uh, I I do think it's worth noting, though, the Bulls are going to go with Taj at the four. Maybe they should just embrace this no-spacing thing. You know, they traded for Michael Carter-Williams, who brings nothing by way of spacing. They actually got rid of Tony Snell, who we'll get to a little later in this podcast in his new role with the Milwaukee Bucks in that straight-up trade that became official Monday. And he was at least a league average 36% three-point shooter. Michael Carter-Williams far shy of that. So the Bulls, the whole spacing thing, they're going the way of what's in vogue in the NBA. They're not doing that. So, eh? I mean, I mean I guess I the almost, op- I'm trying to talk myself into this. The optimistic view is that it's going to be one of those, like, oh, we're going to zig where everybody else zags. It's gonna. It, it, the idea is that it's one of those things, but I just... <laughs> it's just the person. It's just the the fit. Just on paper, is not there. And you know, there have been there's been times during the preseason when I thought that they've looked pretty good. And I was, you know, you'd see some things like Rondo played really well in the game last night against Charlotte. He looked like guys were kind of speeding up and adjusting to the way that he's running the offense. And there are times where like they'll have a, a sequence or a few plays in a row where I'm just like, okay, you know, this could work. And then they'll just have the play. The worst uh, interior defense I've ever seen where they just don't even guard anybody inside. Yeah, and I mean, so again, this is, we have offense and we have defense, and there are issues and concerns on both ends. Can they make it work offensively? I think there is some 
uh, value in the strategy Hoiberg's kind of been employing, which is to take Dwayne Wade out in these preseason games at about the six-minute mark of the first quarter, get Doug McDermott in there quickly, Mm -hmm. so they at least have some shooting on the floor six minutes into the game, which I know that's a a big stretch. That's one-eighth of the game right there to go without it. But he is trying to do that and bring Dwayne Wade, we've mentioned this before, back in near the end of the quarters, keep Doug out there quite a bit and have a shooter. Nico obviously hasn't provided that shooting. Dwayne Wade, I think he's 6 of 11 or so in the preseason. He's a knockdown three-point shooter now. Maintains that he's feeling good on those and will shoot them. Rondo last night in the preseason loss, he didn't shoot well. Like you said, he played very well. 10 assists, I think he really limited his turnovers. Might have had a turnover-free night. He had zero Uh, turnovers. 10 assists, zero turnovers. Yep, there you go. And he shot a three-pointer, though, that was just... So ugly, and as soon as he got the ball on the left wing, you knew it was missing because his elbow was so far out to the right, his right elbow. And, of course, he's a right-handed shooter there, so it was just so ugly, and it's like that's what they have to stay away from. And I know there's going to be times where they get confidence, they knock down a few threes, but they still have to be careful to do what they do best, and that's going to be slashing to the hoop, stuff like that. How much can it work? I don't know. I guess they like... they. Dwayne Wade did endorse Taj starting at the four, basically, without going out of his way and saying, I don't want Nico. He said he really liked Taj Gibson there. So maybe Taj can set some good screens, clean up the dirty stuff, and get some offensive right. rebounds. Right, right. That's sort of what you're expecting. We'll find out for sure uh, who's going to start... Uh, next Thursday, October 27th, the opening night at the United Center against the Celtics. And you know what, Cody? You and I are going to be there... Uh, as, as media, we will be covering it, but anybody who's listening to this and wants to get tickets, I know where you should go. SeatGeek. Exactly. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game of the season. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets to football games, baseball games, basketball games, anything you want to Concerts. see up close and in person. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for great value. And with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket also because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always make sure you find the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, which is why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. And every ticket is backed by a 100% guarantee, so you know with confidence that you can shop uh, for tickets on SeatGeek and they're going to be good. Best of all, our listeners to Lockdown Bulls can get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. It's really simple, folks. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Our promo code is L-O-Bulls, just how that sounds, L-O-B-U-L-L-S. Enter that code. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app today. Get the tickets, the easiest way to buy and sell. Wanted to touch on Tony Snell, who's yeah. now a Milwaukee Buck. Fourth-year player, three years that didn't go as planned. In Chicago, after being drafted 20th overall in the 2013 draft, He's a wing, which is why he's in Milwaukee. Six foot six or so, I think. Six foot seven, yeah. Tony Snell. They needed length. They needed a guy that could knock down some open three pointers. And basically, they needed a body on the wing after Chris Middleton 
was out with a hamstring injury for a long time, if not the year. And today, Jason Kidd touched on Tony Snell for the first time. That's right. He said that Tony Snell is looking like he's going to be the starting shooting guard for the Bucks. which when I read that, I was just like, wow, that that's bad. But then I looked at the Bucks' depth chart, and it's like... That's bad, too. It's, I mean, you look worse. at it, it's just, it's just amazing how much that Middleton injury completely changed the entire complexion of the team, because before that injury happened, I was looking at this roster like, hey, you know, this could be a playoff team. Like, there will always be in that mix for that 7 and 8 seed, you know, with the Bulls and the Knicks and the Wizards and, you know, whoever else. But, so I'm going to, I'm going to read you the, the Bucks uh, depth chart for point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. So for point guard, right now it's listed as Matthew Delvadova and Jason Terry. I mean, I guess Giannis is going to play a lot of point and have the ball in his hands a lot, but those are your two point guards. Shooting guard, Chris Middleton, who's out for the year, or almost out for the year. We'll just assume for these purposes of this that he's out for the year. Rashad Vaughn, who wasn't that good in his rookie year last year. And Malcolm Brogdon, who was a second-round pick this year. A lot of people, a lot of draft people I've talked to really like him, but I actually think he's more of a point. So then at small forward, they list Giannis, which I think is going to be playing more point, Steve Novak. Who's old. Who's old. Can't play defense. And Tony Snell. So, like, looking at those options, yeah, Tony Snell probably is their starting shooting guard. I mean, good for Tony Snell. Yeah, no, I... He, he, defensively, if he doesn't have to guard a LeBron or someone that's super strong, he's fine defensively. It's just the part offensively where he really disappears for really long stretches despite lots of opportunity and minutes at times. And you got to remember, he started, I believe, 34 games for the Bulls last year. Like, had a lot of chances. He's, He's had a lot of chances. Even under Thibodeau, he, had, he started a lot of games. He had plenty of chances when Jimmy Butler was out, when Mike Dunleavy was out. Yeah, so he'll get more opportunity again in Milwaukee, too. But that's just kind of putting the Bucks' plight in perspective, I guess. They need him. So in that regard, you certainly understand the... Uh, the Carter Williams for Snell trade, I guess, from both perspectives, because the Bulls wanted a little bit more point guard depth insurance for Rajon Rondo. If he has basically a one-year deal with a small buyout in year two, if the Bulls don't want him after year one, basically. Right, and if they're not in love with any of their backup options, Jaron Grant, Spencer Dinwiddie, who Spencer Dinwiddie, by the way, I think he's looked the best out of their point backup point guards uh, in preseason, but he didn't play last night. Fred didn't really give a reason. He just kind of said they wanted to give Jaron those looks. Jaron has not looked great so far. Yeah, and I wanted to take a moment before we get too far away from the Bucks to point out how much they just bungled having Brandon Knight back in February 2015 on their team who was a good point guard. There's yeah. a lot of good point guards in the NBA. There are some great all-star, superstar point guards. We were talking this summer before the Rondo stuff happened about how the Bulls would go about replacing Derek, and one of the things we talked about several different times, I believe, on some of the earlier episodes of this podcast was that maybe the Bulls would try to trade for either Brandon Knight or Eric Bledsoe because those guys, because Phoenix has kind of a logjam there and those are both very serviceable point guards. And especially the contract that Brandon Knight is on, he signed a five-year, $70 million deal, looked like kind of a lot at the time when he signed it. And the reason Milwaukee traded him was because they didn't want, they had to choose between paying him and Middleton. But that contract looks pretty reasonable right now. Yeah, so that's the thing. They traded Brandon Knight in a three-team deal in February 2015 to the Suns. The Bucks got Michael Carter-Williams 
From the 76ers, there's a couple other small pieces and parts in this deal. They got Tyler Ennis and Miles Plumley, I believe, but they essentially... It's worth pointing out that the Bucks had the option of either getting Michael Carter-Williams in that three-team deal or just straight up getting the Lakers pick, which is top three protected from Phoenix that ended up going to the Sixers. So they could have gotten what's probably going to be a top five pick in this coming draft, which is supposed to be a pretty good draft, and they got MCW instead. Yeah, they made a bad decision within the trade, which was kind of a bad idea to start with in the sense that they turned Brandon Knight basically into Tony Snell and Miles Plumley And Michael Beasley. And Michael they Beasley. they traded James Ennis for Michael Beasley. Yes. Or Tyler. So, Which Ennis was it? Was it James Ennis or Tyler? It was an Ennis. I think it was Tyler. Um, but the, the moral of the story, that's not good. No. That's some bad central divisioning GMing right there going it's on. not great. Because um, Brandon Knight is a sixth man for the Suns this year. They're going to bring him off the bench, it sounds like, down there. But he's still a good NBA basketball player. So the Bucks between that and the Greg Monroe signing, which they ended up putting money they could have put toward Knight, toward Greg Monroe. Obviously, that didn't work out so far. Uh, doesn't really fit their system. They've been trying game. to trade Monroe for several months, and nobody wants him. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that that was just absolutely awful and horrific. We've been critical of Gar Foreman and John Paxson at times and some of the decisions that they've made. Nothing that they've done recently has been that bad. No, I mean, the Derrick Rose trade worked out very... I think we were high, even if high Jaren, about it at even the Even if Jaron Grant isn't good, like, they got Robin Lopez, who's a solid starting center, and he's been great so yeah, far. Yeah, the $13 million contract's a fair deal, a little bit of contract control moving forward for the Bulls, too. So, uh, I think de- drafting Denzel Valentine's fine. I think he's going to be... I don't think he's going to be a superstar or anything or all-star, but I think he can be a good NBA player, bring something that fits Hoiberg's system. Obviously, I don't know how many years... Th- Hoiberg will be around in Chicago if we're looking six years down the line. He signed a five-year deal. With Denzel Valentine being a bull, but I think he does fit what Fred wants to do and can help the team, and obviously he's got to get over that ankle injury. But, uh, yeah, that's just a couple things to point out. Anything else from practice, Sean? Any takeaways, anything we should look forward to here? I think we hit on most of the news and notes of the day. Not really a whole lot from practice today. It was not the most eventful practice. I do believe that the... uh, players afterwards were going to a league-mandated meeting where teams are being educated about the business side of basketball. So I think it's good that the league is you know, taking an initiative and ed- making sure players are educated on that kind of stuff because that stuff's important. Uh, we yeah, should briefly touch on this. We'll probably get into it in more depth tomorrow, assuming there's kind of a resolution to it. But the closing arguments were made today in the Derrick Rose uh, civil sexual assault lawsuit in Los Angeles. Uh, my boss, John Greenberg at The Athletic, is actually was actually there at the trial, which, I mean, it was a little bit of fortuitous time because he flew out there for the AL, for the NLCS where the Cubs, Cubs are playing. The Cubs are playing the Dodgers tonight, the next, the next few nights. But while he was out there, he went to today's hearing for the Derrick Rose trial, so he's going to be having some stuff up on that. But... The closing arguments were made today. It sounds like the judge is trying to, you know, maybe put a bug in the jury's ear that maybe let's not drag this out too long. So who knows? Maybe by the time you're listening to this, there will be a resolution. Maybe by tomorrow when we record, there will be a resolution. But we should be nearing a resolution to that soon. I don't want to really get too much into specifics because, again, this is all stuff that we need to wait for it to play out. But that's that's a thing that's happening. And also on the Derrick Rose front... uh, He's expected to play in their regular season opener, even if he misses their last couple preseason games. Yeah, and Hornace, and Jeff Hornacek, the Knicks coach, said that if he gets a couple practices in before uh, the season starts, he's probably going to start. Obviously, Brandon Jennings has been 
starting while Rose has been in L.A. dealing with his trial, and Jennings has actually played pretty well from what little I've seen of the Knicks uh, in preseason, which was basically just Derek's first game and the first quarter of the first Joaquin game. But, you know, that'll that'll be interesting to see, and it would it, it's going to be nice when they're, you know, wet, one way or the other, you know, having a resolution to this thing so it's not just dragging out. Yeah, certainly. So we'll keep you updated on all that stuff. As always, you can follow us. At Locked On Bulls on Twitter, please send your questions to us anytime you have them. Uh, you can email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com with basketball questions, advertising inquiries. Follow Sean on Twitter, at Hyken. Follow myself, at Cody Westerland. And most of all, please subscribe. That is right. You can find us on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, Anywhere you can find podcasts, subscribe to The Athletic to read my work covering the Bulls. Uh, Check out 670thescore.com to read Cody's work, and we will catch you next time.